this month on Crack Church Podcast. Our sermon series is about Church on Fire, where we're going to be studying and looking at the importance of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, how He sanctifies us, how He works through us, not only individually, but corporately, and then out into our community. So thank you for joining us. John 16, 7. It's interesting, Jesus, you know, when we talk about the forgotten God, it's interesting because we focus so much on Christ. I mean, literally, it's in our name, right? Christian, Christ, Christian. We focus so much on Christ, but it's interesting to me that, that in John chapter 16, verse 7, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is Jesus preparing that him, them for what is coming. And in John 16, 7, Jesus says this. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is Jesus himself saying, it's to your good that I go away in the Holy Spirit. Jesus 
says it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit. And yet sometimes I still feel like I neglect the Holy Ghost. So let's talk. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. First, I think it's important, you know, I've been in doctrine class and we're going through the doctrine. Uh, I think it's important to have right understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. He is God. Now I know. Yeah. Duh, yeah. <laughs> but let's delve into the what that actually means when I say the Holy Spirit is God. And what I what the, what that actually means is He's not created by God. Right? Just as the Son and the Father weren't created by God, they are God. He is not subordinate to God. Right? You've seen that pegging more of the third person in the God. No, I say I don't like using that because that's, that makes it sound like there's a, a hierarchy. They're all God. He's not created by God. He's not subordinate to God. He is not less than God. No, no. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> but that also means some other things. He is eternal. Isaiah 43.10 says this, Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be another after me. He is omniscient. You know that is right. He knows all the things. 1 Samuel 2.3, For the Lord is a God who knows. He's eternal, he's omniscient, he's also omnipresent, right? That means he's here, right now, he's here, but he's also in Ukraine, right? He's also in Russia, like he's there too, right? He's everywhere. He's in the places where we would not imagine God would ever go, God is there trying to mend brokenness, and trying to allow us to be a part of mending that brokenness. He is omnipresent. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, do not, uh, 24 says this, do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I love when God asks this rhetorical question. Like, well, Yes. <laughs> he's also omnipotent. Right? He's all powerful. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things. Right? We, I think sometimes we take these things and we attribute them to God the Father. But not necessarily the Holy Spirit. And what I'm telling you is the characteristics that we attribute to God the Father, the eternal, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus too. We'll throw that in. 
right? But there's another thing that he is because he is God. He is perfect. He is perfect in holiness. He is perfect in righteousness. He is perfect in his faithfulness. He is perfect in his love. There's a reason why I prayed that a minute ago, Father. May, may the Holy Spirit guide us to be perfect as you are perfect. Because you and I cannot, can't, not even close. Like, we miss the mark so much. Like, we're not even, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to. So we went, uh, some of the leadership team for the church went axe throwing. I wasn't going to tell the story, but I feel led to now. Uh, and we're there, and it's me, and it's John Wayne, and it's April, and it's Amanda, and it's Lauren. We were three games deep, maybe game four, and all of them were getting the axes to stick. All of them were getting the axes to stick. I was missing the mark. <laughs> like, I was so far off the mark that it wouldn't even stick. Right? Somehow I was hitting it with the blood then. I don't know. Something. Science and physics. That's us, right? We are so far off the mark. We need a coach. Hey, maybe if you try this. Maybe if you do this. You know the cool thing about this coach? He's there. Always. Refining. Tell us. Ultimately, I did get it to stick. Ultimately, well, I did. And you know what happened? I realized it was hitting the bloods in every time. Now, I'm not suggesting you should do this and when you go, they'll probably tell you not to do this. But what I did, you know, the axe head normally faces that way. I turned it around so it was facing my face. You know what? Yeah. And I got it to stick every time after that. Because it's more important to win than my own safe numbers. <laughs> I did not win. John Wayne won. Thank you for pointing that out. He is perfect. And we are broken. But he wants to mend us. He wants to refine us. For his purpose, for his good works. And again, I say, how amazing is it that God continually chooses us and incorporates us into his salvation plan. Not just for you to be saved, but that so you can lead others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Like, how crazy is that? Like, I am such a screw-up, and God still says, no, but I want you. I want you. Okay. You know, and, and, and to be clear, just because I have red on my shoulders, that doesn't mean I'm more holy than you. In fact, many ways, maybe I'm probably not. Right? That, that, that's nothing. Without that personal relationship to God, to the Holy Spirit. 
So we get a little bit of his characteristics, and let's talk about his personality. And I, I love this part, right? Because this is kind of how you get into God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And one of the things I love about the Holy Ghost is, first and foremost, we know and we say it, he is the great comforter. Man, you've been through hard times? Like, recently? Like, I think all of us, right? Like, it's... God is the great comforter. The Holy Spirit is the great comforter. John 14, 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. What does it say? Let not... What is it? I know we can read. Let not your trouble, your hearts be troubled. I can't read, apparently. <laughs> do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I leave you peace. Jesus saying, it is to your advantage I leave, because I'm going to give you the comfort who will give you peace. Have you ever, have you ever, in my last appointment, I did 15 funerals. 15 of the people that I pastored died. Well, they didn't well, that's not all what was happened. That's more of, I learned so much about the comfort of God and the Holy Spirit just by watching these people, these faithful people walk through difficult times. I had one He, he, he was slowly whittling away from health. And he got so weak. And so in the midst of that, the day before, or two days before he passed, we went over to his house, and all he wanted to do was sing praises of God. That's comfort. That's John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This counselor is someone to help us with truth. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Friends, when you read Scripture, do you invite the Holy Spirit in to help you understand? If you're not, you, you should. You really should. Because we have to be careful when we read Scripture. You and I don't get to determine what it means. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Helps guide me to the truth. Counsels me in truth. Are you asking for the Holy Spirit to lead you in truth? John 16, 13. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. 
you want to know truth, know the Holy Spirit. Again, we cannot understand the nature of God. We cannot understand his holy scripture. We cannot understand even one another fully. so often when I step outside of this guidance, I just muck things up. Thinking my charisma is good enough, thinking my my compassion is good. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty compassionate, but, but without the Holy Spirit, blah, it's just a resounding gong. It's just noise. Like, man, I don't want to just Just as Jesus counseled the 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit counsels us. It's interesting, all these scripture verses I just read, John 14, John 15, John 16, huh, that's all really close to each other. Do you know that passage of scripture? Do you know where that comes from? Right, that's Jesus sitting and talking with his disciples. Teaching, instructing. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and me. The ever-present God. Guiding and leading. And so often we've learned, and the, and the world is so noisy and so busy, that we allow ourselves to think that in our busyness, well, I'm going to speak very plainly about myself and what I, what I sometimes fall into the trap of. Don't you know I work for the Salvation Army? Don't you know I'm working for you? And God says, that's not what I asked of you. What I asked was that you would follow my Holy Spirit. Don't you know I'm busy working for you? I'm too busy to go talk to that person. I'm too busy to love on you. And we justify it. I'll speak for myself. I justify that for myself because all these other great works, I think. And the Holy Spirit says, just shh, shh, shh. He does that a lot to me. Like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> he does. Because I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn. And I think I know everything. And I realize more and more, I know very little. And God is infinite. And I'm finite. And you know what? That's cool. Like, that's great. I am good with that. I just, Holy Spirit saying, hey, you see that person over there? Yeah. Go, go talk to them. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. That's what they need to do for the day. I don't like getting in the way of that. Don't you listen. And I say that out loud to you, but that is how these conversations go with me in the Holy Spirit when it comes to evangelism like, and in many other things. Busy, busy, busy. And the thing is, the, the greatest thing, the greatest thing that we buy into that I think uh, Satan and his demons, not to over-spiritualize it, but I, I believe if they could just keep us Christians busy, And we would not have near the impact 
God could have in our lives and in others. This last little piece I want to talk about is, did you know, do you know the Holy Spirit's home, like where he makes his home? Yeah, it's you. It's me. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? But why? Why? Like, when these things come up and I read scripture, I just, I can't help but think, why? And, and I don't think God's afraid of our questions. And so I ask boldly, why? And scripture answers, 1 Corinthians 3, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The first why is to protect us. The first why is to convict us. To keep us from faltering. That's the first why God makes his dwelling place. The Holy Spirit makes his dwelling place in you. You know, that little small voice we call a conscience. No, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Romans 8 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raises Jesus from the de dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You. Second why? First, to protect us. Second why? To give us life. Just as the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, so will the Spirit give life to you. Galatians 5.22. You've heard this. If you've been around, you've heard this many times talk about it a lot. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To protect us, to give us life. And third, fruits of the Spirit, to be more like Why does he want to protect us? Why does he want to give us life? Why does he want us to be more like him? One, because he loves us. He cares deeply for you and me. But there's another reason, too. Acts 1-8. You know this one. You've heard it many times. You maybe didn't know the reference, but you've heard it. And you will be my witnesses. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to break this down a little bit real quick. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who is Christ talking to here? The disciples. Yeah, yeah it wasn't a trick question. Thank you. The disciples. And the disciples are the Jewish. And Jerusalem is a big deal to the Jewish people. Jerusalem is what they know. And so Jesus is here telling them, you are going to be my witnesses to all the people you know, all the people you care about. You're going to be my witnesses to them. The disciples are like, yeah, great, that sounds awesome. And then Jesus says, uh, and also Judea. Wait, hold up. You're talking about Judea. Now, if you know in the culture of that time, during that time, if you were Judean, if you were from Judea, and you were an Israelite, you saw them as less than. You are less than me. Because we are God's chosen people. And you are less than me. And so Jesus said, I'm going to send you to the people you know, the people you care about. I'm going to send you to the people you are better than, that you think are less than you. I'm going to send you to them. And then it gets worse. Samaria. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. Like the whole part of the point of that is it's a Samaritan. Samaritans aren't even 100% Jewish. Samaria. My familiar, those who I care about, those who I think are less than me in Samaria, those that I can't stand. You are going to be my witnesses in these places. And then it doesn't end there. Then it says to the ends of the earth. People I'm familiar with, that I love, that I care about, the people that I, uh, I don't give much thought to, the people I can't stand, and, and lastly, the people I have no desire to understand. You will be my witnesses to all of these people. And we pick categories and we say, I'm good with the people I like and who I know and all that. But if we feel like they're less than us, do I really want to? Mm, I don't know, man. Or even the people, the ends of the earth, even the people I have no interest in getting to know. And Jesus says, no, but go. And the Holy Spirit beckons us to go. What's all this? What's, what's the point? The forgotten God. What, what is all of this? Friend, if you are not connected with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, why? He is like right here, waiting, ready. This morning, I'm going I'm to invite the, the part of the praise man up for the altar call. If you feel so led to come down to the altar, come. But the other thing I want you to do, there's something we're doing uh, this week, actually this month. There's something we're doing this month. Yes, we're going to have a ball party. There's something we're doing this month. I think when it comes to evangelism, I think when it comes to 
to, and we've talked about this a couple times as we've been here on Thursday and on some Sundays we've talked about this. I think when it comes to evangelism, we're afraid. We have fear, right? Because I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to lead someone astray. I'm afraid that if I say it wrong and they reject it, that I and then internalize that as, what did I do wrong? But I, I think we need to shift our thinking. And what, what we want to do this month and starting next week. And so part of what I want you to do this morning is I want you to come down and pray for something specific. Because what we're going to be doing is I want to celebrate. We should celebrate the attempt. The try. We're going to celebrate the try this month. And what does that mean, the try? That means when the Holy Spirit leads me and I feel I'm going to pray with someone. I'm going to just try. I'm going to try. And whether or not they accept Christ or not, I'm going to try anyway. And so we're going to celebrate the try. And then every Sunday when you come in, there's going to be a ball. It's going to be a pretty vase, clear vase. And there's going to be a, a box with these balls in it. I want you to come in and however many people you tried, you prayed with them, you talked to them about Christ, you invited them to church, you asked them if you know, they wanted to accept Christ. Any of those people, I want you to write their name on the ball and drop it in the vase. It's going to be out there. Because, friends, we've got to start celebrating the tribes. Because if we don't, we'll never even try. We'll be so petrified in fear, we won't move. So this morning, I want you to come down to the altar, if you feel so led, and ask God to give you at least one name. At least one. Every morning I wake up and say, God, give me one. And darn, if he does not give me four or five. Do I get it every time right? No. But I want to try. Won't you come to the altar this morning?